the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Happy July 16th. Boy, this month is already flying by. I just remember a couple days ago saying, you know, hey, year's halfway over. Now this month is halfway over. Hopefully you're maxing out your 401k and you're doing all those good things. Um, that'll help you get ahead in life, per se. And what I mean by get ahead, obviously get to retirement with a little bit of money left over. That's the goal. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Pick up the phone, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Um, we could talk about anything. Time Warner Day, big one, rejecting an $80 billion offer from 20th Century Fox and Rupert Murdoch. That's a big one. That's a big one. Um, anyway... 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air today. Market. I came into this morning and uh, security guard goes, uh, NASDAQ at 1700. I'm like, you kind of mean Dow at 17,000. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of something that I think it's problematic. It tells you a little something. Um... We're getting a little bit confused at times. We're hearing the news, but we're not very good at deciphering the news. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the NASDAQ, and I don't hope it's not at 1,700. <laughs> um, and also, I hope it's not at 17,000, because then something I totally messed, right? Um, with that said, I do want to throw out there that... Uh, the upper hand right now is definitively, it seems to be in the bull market angle. There's just stories that seem bullish. China did the equivalent of beating by a penny when it came out with GDP of 7.5% growth versus expectations of 7.4%. Industrial production was up 9.2%. Retail sales up 12.4%. Fixed asset investment up 17.3%. All good numbers. So it's tough to be negative on the stock market when you see something like that. Apple and IBM have formed a partnership on made-for-business applications. 
This was an interesting one. Um, clearly, IBM manages corporate America and international business, big business data. You know, a TV station like Cron uses, you know, big company to manage their assets, uh, their computer assets, and IBM is a big player. This is positive for Apple. I don't think it's a bottom line, woohoo, you just got into every business in America story. You could try to perceive it that way. It's not. We've done stories on the show in the past where we talked about things like, yeah, I remember going into businesses, you know, going up to the 20th floor in San Francisco, walking out the hall, and you'd see a lot of Dell boxes. And now you're seeing a lot of Apple boxes. And I think that's truly the story. So Apple's up a little bit on this news today. It's really, I think, more so bad news for BlackBerry. Again, as businesses are just saying, you know, we need to support our employees, and they're, they've given up the BlackBerry because no one wants to carry one of those anymore. And now they're carrying Apple products. Um, Apple's near a 52-week high. Um, it hit a 52-week high today, $97.10. It's now at 96.36. So that's a pretty good story, and it's tough to say, you know, it's negative. Time Warner reportedly rejected an $80 billion cash and stock offer from 21st Century Fox. That's a biggie. Intel posted better than expected second quarter earnings. Um, that's positive. Raised their guidance for the third quarter, added $20 billion to its share buyback program. BlackRock, PNC, Bank of America, Northern Trust, U.S. Bank, or all topped expectations. So the Banks of America doing okay. Fed Chair Janet Yellen appears before the House Financial Services Committee today. That's going on right now. The people who care, and the market does care. Yesterday she kind of spooked the market when she said housing and labor is not where she wants it to be. Um, participants will be, you know, seeing if she's got any area of commentary. You know, yesterday she kind of bashed social media and biotech stocks having stretched valuations. Mortgage applications declined 3.6% for the week. Refinancing applications fell a little bit. That's probably the negative news of the day. Producer prices increased four-tenths of a percent in June, excluding food and energy. Producer prices jumped two-tenths of a percent. So a little bit of profit-taking yesterday on Janet Yellen's surprising remark that social media stocks were stretched in valuation. It's tough to say not. You know, you're seeing a company like a Uber who's not really social media, but who's a logistics company of moving things from point A to point B. Uh, you're seeing a company like Uber, analysts come out and saying it's got a $200 billion valuation. And you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. You know, a car company like a Ford, $15 billion. And a company like an Uber who buys Fords and delivers people kind of in a taxi cab way. Um, it's interesting to think that way, like, you know, well, how much would uh, a national taxi cab service be worth if we were able to pair them all together? And it's a little misleading. So, ten-year um, treasury note down three ticks of a tick, three tenths of a. How am I trying to say this? Down three ticks is probably the way. I was going to say three tenths of a percent or three ticks. It's, yeah, it's all out there. Pretty tame reaction though. Ten-year um, treasury is to two point five six percent. Anytime it's under three and a half, you buy. It's been under three and a half for you know ten plus years, um, so I think you buy is the right way of saying that. Um, so the last time the ten-year Treasury was at let's see four percent, five percent was two thousand and seven. 
So I, I guess I shouldn't say 10 plus years, but it's been a while since it's uh, uh, been above 3%. So anytime it's under 3.5%, you buy stocks. Just 4% buy stocks. Maybe 5, 4.5%, 5% you buy bonds. But again, now I'm starting to get a little too specific, and I don't really want to do that. So, um, 10-year treasury, anytime it's under 4%, buy stocks. So, it's just you don't get rewarded enough to buy bonds, in my opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, SP 500 is up 7 since 1981. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 56 since 17,117. Record numbers. NASDAQ up 26 and in at 44.42, uh, 14-year high. Um, home builder confidence surges. Again, all positive stories. Um, it's just no way of looking around that and trying to find a negative here. It's nice. Again, I'm not going to get caught up in it. I'll just say that it's nice. Um, got a big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. Um, in note of that, I will be sending out a newsletter later this morning. If you've not signed up for my newsletter, you can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. But you could also get information about the event tomorrow, 10 Pillars of Retirement Planning Income Seminar, um, 6.30 to 9 p.m. It's going to be at the Los Gatos Toolhouse Hotel, Secrets to Tax Efficient Investing, Maximizing Social Security Benefits, Reducing the Risk of Outliving your savings, estimating your retirement expenses. Um, I'm going to be talking dividend achiever stocks and much, much more. Don't be shy. I'd love to see you out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Again, big event coming up tomorrow night. Um, would love to see you there. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. There's a big story out today. Rupert Murdoch offering $80 billion to buy Time Warner. This is a big business story. If you have cable TV, can't ignore this. Um, or if you watch any TV, you can't really ignore this, or sports even. So 20th First Century Fox offering a lot of money to buy Time Warner. Why? Well, probably because Comcast is buying Time Warner Cable. AT&T is buying DirecTV. Sprint's looking at buying T-Mobile. Those companies control distribution. And they're getting fewer and fewer, which means they've got more and more power. As they consolidate, you get power over the content. Companies like 21st Century Fox, Time Warner, that rely on them for distribution. So here's how the TV business works in this day and age. Fox News, which is owned by 21st Century Fox, gets almost $1 per subscriber from Comcast and other cable companies. That's $1 causes tension between the two companies. 
because it's Fox News. For Fox, it's lifeblood of its operations. It gets ad revenue, too, but the ad business comes and goes. Subscriber fees don't. They remain very steady, and you can count on them. So it's not just Fox News that gets those fees. It's every channel that you have on your box. HBO, TBS, TNT, FX, Fox Sports, they all get fees from the companies. All the distributors, Comcast, Time Warner, Cable, Verizon, they fight to keep those fees as low as possible to protect their own profits, which makes sense. Which is more important, content or distribution? With consolidation on the distribution side, distribution companies have better leverage in any deal over subscriber fees. It's a lot easier for like Comcast to say, we're not paying you more for Fox News. It has, If it has more control over the TV market, it can really choke Fox News out and cut down how many homes it's in. That cuts down on the ad revenue, but it also cuts down on the subscription fee altogether, right? But if Rupert Murdoch, the CEO of 21st Century Fox, can go to Comcast and say, you better pay up for Fox News, otherwise you're not going to get TNT, TBS, Fox Sports, and so on, he's in a better position of strength. So the TV industry is really jostling at this point in time on, you know, it's not just the Netflix and the Apples that are the disruptors of how we watch content. It's these old guys consolidating. That's a big story in of, in of itself. There's no doubt about it. And I like seeing it, to be quite honest with you. BMWs, if you recall, 1.6 million cars over airbag concerns. Um, it seems like we're always in the world now of auto recalls, you know. GM's probably going, sweet, somebody other than us this time, right? Uh, German automaker BMW said it's recalling about 1.6 million cars replaced passenger side front airbags made by Takata because the initiate, the inflators could uh, break apart during deployment and injure passengers. So that affects the 3 Series that was made from 1999 to 2006. Um, you know, recalls happen, and... It's one of those headlines that feels worse than it is. It's worthy of throwing out there for you um, that it's not as bad as, you know, you think it is. Millennials. Uh, lackluster home sales. They kind of go hand in hand, don't they? They're increasingly ethnically diverse, more educated, less likely to be married. All factors that make them less likely to own a home. So... Younger Americans are actually buying homes at the same rate as they did during the late 1990s, but for at least the past 20 years, there has been a significant demographic headwinds for home ownerships for young people. Um, analysis, analysis basically makes you look at it, and with all the damage to the economy that we had, it did little to turn off the millennials from the idea of owning a home compared to previous generation. In fact... You know, the major group of the study shows that home ownership rates suffered because of the downturn is middle-aged Americans and not the millennials. Easy credit offered during the housing bubble caused to get more young people to buy than otherwise would have, and that's kind of masking some of those demographic changes. So what it basically implies is people that shouldn't have been buying homes 10 years ago bought homes. So we continue to look at this because home ownership... Uh, depending on which age bracket is it's in, it, it really does push the economy. It's, it's super important to the economy. Take a look at the stock market going back there yet again. Uh, we see China's GDP was a strong number. Industrial production, strong number. 
Uh, fixed asset investment report revealed a slowdown in home construction and sales. Apple announced a big partnership with IBM. Um, Apple stock. I own shares of Apple, just FYI, legally need to tell you that on occasion. Um, up 1% today. Sitting at 96.31, it hit an all-time high, or 52-week high, of $97.10. Um, it's a big winner this year. And it's poised to come out with the iPhone 6 in September, unless something's terribly, terribly wrong with it, which it could be. The all-time high on the stock came, I want to say, September of 2013, when it hit $100 a share. Um, now it's at $96.29, so it's almost made that complete trip back. It's kind of nice to see people who are a little freaked out. Um, they seem to be suggesting that Apple will have a watch coming out soon. Um, will that be a complete product, or will it just be kind of like the Samsung watch, where you don't really know anyone that has it? So S&P 500's up 5 Dow's up 45, the NASDAQ up 17. One thing that's interesting to note is Microsoft yesterday, you know, was hinted at there was going to be some big job cuts. And it went up yesterday, went up today, up another 1.4%. That, too, at a 52-week high at $43 a share. When you're thinking of that, think of uh, Steve Ballmer, who has now left the company, and he's still on the board, but he's now going to be buying the L.A. Clippers, and his stock's at a 52-week high, so he could, you know, a little bit easier for him. I don't know. It's just throwing it up there. Microsoft plans to cut at least 1,000 jobs in Finland tied towards the Nokia acquisition. Um, so Microsoft in the news today. I, I can't really say that's a big story. You know, headline uh, cuts. Anytime you see a big merger, you're going to see cuts typically because suddenly you've got two HR people and you only need one. You've got two vice presidents of blah, 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 and you only need one. So Time Warner rejecting the offer from Fox. GM recall probe turns to the top lawyer. Senators pressing General Motors on why executives weren't aware of defective cars. Turned the automaker's top lawyer whose staff signed off on wrongful death payments that pointed to a fatal flaw. So that story's still kind of headline risky, but I don't think bottom line risky. You can find out more. On me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos. Last chance for you to sign up for it. While you're at my website, taking a look at what's happening in Los Gatos tomorrow. You can also sign up for the new- newsletter that I'll be sending out later today. Toll House Hotel, 6.30 to 9 tomorrow. It's the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar. And I'm going to be talking about dividend-achieving stocks that I own and dividend-achieving stocks that how do I find them. We'll take a break here. We'll be right AM 1220 KDOW. Robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. But also, we'll blend in real stories from here and there. 
NBA Commissioner Adam Silver floated the idea of the league adding a mid-season tournament that would be similar to domestic cups in European soccer. There are just zero specifics about it, but as a way to make more money, you have more tournaments. There's very little to know about this, but why not? Um, you kind of get locked in how many cities you can get you know, good attendance at. You kind of get locked into you know, how much can you ultimately charge. But having another tournament, awesome idea. The NBA regular season's too long. It's too monotonous with too many weeks of stretches with no meaningful games at all. In England, they've got the FA Cup, a huge tournament that's every year registered team in the country can enter. It runs concurrently with the Premier League. Every few weeks in the Premier League takes a weekend off, and the FA Cup games are played. It would be awesome for the NBA to try to figure out something along those lines. So, you know, in an era where the Sixers are sacrificing entire seasons for the sake of long-term flexibility, it gives fans of hopeless teams something to root for right then, right there. So, if in a single elimination tournament, anything would happen, take it a step further, you could bring in some D-League teams, they're allowed to enter, you get the sort of Cinderella stories that make the FA Cup worth watching. It's all about money. Sports are all about the money. Take a look at the market numbers today. Day two of Janet Yellen's annual monetary policy report. SP 500 is up six, the Dow's up 49, the NASDAQ up 19. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Mr. Burton, here comes another email question for you. If I'm in my, and it comes from Sarah, if I'm in my late 20s, I almost have a full year of expenses and savings and my savings checking retirement is almost at 100000 what should I be focusing on next? So Sarah has 100000 in her savings, plus she's got a year saved up? It sounds like she's got a 401k with 100000 Ah, okay. All right. And she's got a year of expenses. You got an age on this girl? Phone number? Pushing 30. <laughs> she's in her late 20s. She currently contributes, job. contributes 15% of her salary to her 401k. With Sarah's eight. been listening. With an 8% match, she saves $700 a month into savings. What's her next Oh, her next financial goal? She says, I want to buy a house. But I guess she's asking, uh, what else should she be thinking about? Well, <clears throat> so, Sarah, if you're a high-income earner and you can't do a Roth, we'll talk about that for a minute. Let's say if you're eligible for a Roth. Okay? That's she, the, actually, that, I, I know her. I met her at the seminar the other day. Okay. So Is she eligible for a Roth, Rob? Yeah, she makes about 60. Her boyfriend makes about 80. Okay, so, so yeah, they're they're under the well, if they're not married, it's just based on her income, so she's fine. So I'd still continue to fund a Roth IRA because if her goal is to save for the first house, I mean, you know, you can five percent down in the Bay Area, get a five percent down loan. Good luck with that. Still, even a five percent on a Bay Area home, she's got a while. Most houses are uh, going for cash. Yeah. So if you're coming in with five percent, you're not going to be considered. You know, I'm at that age, sixty thousand of income. I mean, you don't have to own the house that you live in. You could go buy a rental property somewhere else, um, where somebody you know lives, some real estate agent in a great upcoming area somewhere in the northwest, or I don't know. You used to like Carolina, North Carolina, for I like college towns. So college like towns, Raleigh's fine. Yeah, think about college towns. Do you ever get uh, bad renters or party animals in your in your homes? Um, no, but. I can see how it can happen. Yes, yeah, so you just got to be careful. 
you I use a management good company. property manager, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing is I don't see how you would afford to buy a Bay Area home in a nice area with $60,000 of income. It's not going to happen. Right. So be a renter. Don't be ashamed of it, as long as, especially as long as you're saving 15 to 20% of your pay like Sarah's doing. Yeah. I think that a Roth IRA growing tax-free in the stock market over 20 years will probably beat that real estate. And you know, people say, well, my Bay Area home has doubled over the last 10 years, 15 years. So is the stock market over the last five or six from the bottom. And over the last 100 years, it's averaged 11% without property taxes, without maintenance, without remodeling. You know, eh, you know, remodeling a portfolio is a quarterly rebalance, right? Right. It's not tearing out all your kitchen appliances every 10 years. So, um, Which I seem to be doing every, like, three. <laughs> so I don't know what's wrong with my kitchen appliances. You're a crazy cooker. I don't know. You need to go bam all the time and just throwing stuff in the pan. <laughs> I did do a little bit of that. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, do the Roth IRA because in a Roth IRA, if you're funding the Roth IRA, it's going to grow tax-free for your retirement. Right. But if you ever decide to buy a house, you can always take your contributions out without paying taxes on those contributions. Okay. If you're under 59.5, you're going to pay taxes plus a penalty on the gains. Right. Um, so you can always get the contributions back out. So definitely continue to max out that Roth IRA. Okay. Um, and then continue to save in very tax-efficient mutual funds. So that would mean that your taxable account, after you've maxed your Roth IRA, you'd be wanting to do, invest in large cap and mid cap index ETFs or mutual funds, no load mutual funds, which means that in your 401k at work, that's where you'd have all the other assets, your small cap, your emerging market. So you've got to start balancing your asset location. So you look at your overall asset allocation and say, okay, I want my taxable accounts to be my large cap, mid cap, longer term hold tax-managed uh, ETFs or no-load mutual funds, and then, like I said, everything else in your retirement accounts, your REITs, your small cap, your emerging markets, all that kind of stuff there. So uh, she just has to be careful where she's accumulating different types of assets to keep her taxes low and just continuing to save. And who knows, maybe in five, ten years, she'll have enough money to buy that Bay Area home. Okay. Um, thanks very much for that. But CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. <clears throat> company that I've been following for years just because it's an interesting company is a company called IGT, International Game Technology. And they're being acquired now. Again, mergers and acquisitions, consolidation. Um, in gambling equipment makers. But you're also seeing consolidation in media companies. You're seeing consolidation in healthcare companies, pharmaceutical companies, on occasion tech companies. Banks have kind of stopped their mergers and acquisitions, but I think they'll pick back up. So companies that make slot machines are publicly traded. So there's a company, Italy's GTEC. Um, it's, again, tied towards consolidation amongst traditional companies in face of rapid growth in online gaming. So the combination is going to create the world's biggest lottery operator. You're seeing... Um, Atlantic City in the decline. People are just thinking gamble at home. So they're not going to casinos, per se, as much as they used to. Is gambling good? No. Um, and again, this gives a change of address for a company and a more favorable tax treatment. So IGT going to Italy, but they'll still make their slot machines. Um, the deal's, you know, again, tied towards just consolidation. Last year, there was a company called Aristocrat Leisure. 
They agreed to purchase video gaming technologies, which is the leading U.S. manufacturer of slot and bingo machines. So, um, mergers and acquisitions. So you were just listening to CFP Chad Burton. He's going to be with me tomorrow night. Uh, giving up my night. Uh, going to be basically uh, in Los Gatos at the Tolhouse Hotel. I'm going to leave early uh, so I can have dinner in Los Gatos. Because uh, the traffic getting there, sometimes off 101, can be horrific off 280. So tomorrow night, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, 639 Toll House Hotel. Um, it's a lovely hotel. It's a lovely bar. It's got lovely food. Um, but we're going to be talking about, you know, income and retirement. You know, I know what my income is now. I know how much I spend now. I know my budget. Retirement's kind of crazy because the income, you retired and you, you stop counting on the big paycheck. And you're no longer putting the big paycheck towards the nest egg. So you want to be tax efficient about it. You want to maximize Social Security benefits. You want to reduce the risk of outliving your savings. You want to estimate your retirement expenses before you stop working. And we're going to be talking about all of that. I'm going to be going over some dividend achiever stocks. Uh, When you're at robblack.com, checking out the information, robblack.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter, which I'm going to be sending out earlier, later this morning. I wrote it late last night. And I think... It'll work out well for you. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Apple and IBM. I own shares of Apple. IBM is going to devote about 100,000 staffers to its new enterprise deal with Apple in one function or another. I think it's a pretty big deal. Um, Again, IBM will create big data analytics and business apps for the iPhone and the iPad, and Apple will begin supporting business and corporate customers with a dedicated Apple Care program. Uh, Piper Jaffray analyst Gene Munster led the chorus of shrugs at news of the impact, saying, you know, in terms of benefit to Apple, well, we don't expect the partnership to have a measurable impact on the model, given that Apple has already achieved 98% penetration with Fortune 500 companies and 92% penetration with Global 500 companies. So you can kind of hear a shrug there. Now, what's interesting to note is Piper Jaffer's case is that because so many people are to use the iPhone and iPad for business, Apple won't see very many incremental sales out of it. But there's some alternate statistics that you should look at, in my opinion. iOS is on less than half of enterprise devices in some markets. And its best market, Android, still commands one in every five mobile business devices. Um, just heard a little of the gambler. Kenny Rogers in studio. So big growth opportunities in insurance, in oil and gas, in manufacturing, um, you know, gosh, uh, energy, education, much, much more. So uh, banking, it's a lot of iOS already. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Pair of problems on the southbound. And your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeartRadio Station. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Tim in San Francisco on the phone. What's up, Tim? Yeah, good morning, Rob. Um, I've got a couple of questions. One's pretty quick. At the Bank of America, I got, don't have a lot of it, only about 200 shares, but. Um, 
considering all the problems Bank of America is facing, especially I guess you're going to be hit with a big judgment uh, for the mortgage security thing, uh, should I get out of it, get rid of it? Um, you make me want to buy it. <laughs> okay. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, wh- I'll tell you why. Everyone knows about the litigation. Everyone knows about the settlements. It's factored into the stock. Um, I look at Bank of America as a long-term name. It's not my favorite bank, I'll be honest with you. Um, but there's, I think there's some really good banks out there. It's the nation's largest bank by assets, alongside J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup. It's kind of ubiquitous. Um, they've got the most extensive branch networks with 5,300 locations, 16,300 ATMs. They do credit cards, corporate banking, small business, mortgage lending, asset management. Um, okay. Well, they got Merrill Lynch. Let me throw out a little bit more on it because um, okay. I think that's worth bringing up. They just reported earnings, and they're seeing loan growth. And that's the time that you probably want to be long. If you think the U.S. economy is going to continue to add jobs, whether it's slowly or steadily or massively, I see it kind of slowly. Um, they're offering $13 billion to settle a mortgage-related probe. Uh, that's according to CNBC. Reserve release will decline modestly through the balance of 2014. They've got a lower tax base due to tax preferences. They expect to see an effective tax rate of approximately 31% in the second half of this year. Um, I think it's a pretty notable beat in their quarter. Um, they beat on revenues. They beat on earnings. Um, residential mortgage-related you know, disputes are certainly a problem, um, but it's a lot smaller of a problem than a lot of people a lot more manageable of a problem than people would imagine with the headline news being as risky as it is. If it were to drop another point, I'm buying. Um, I like it more like 14.5 than at 15.5. Long term, I think it's a a very solid name. There's other banks and other credit card companies that I'd prefer to own, per se, ahead of them, but I don't see a lot of downside under $14.50 a share. Okay, next question. Uh, Next question is a little more involved. 66, I'm retired. I've got about $420,000 in my portfolio. 95% of it's in stocks and mutual funds. I know that's not good for my age. Uh, I'm thinking of taking an IRA with about $100,000 and getting some rental investment property in other parts of the country, like Indianapolis, Kansas City, and land. I've heard and read that those are pretty good areas for that. Any suggestions, thoughts, ideas? Yeah, I think it's a bad idea. Um, just off the cuff, if you... <laughs> Um, if you and I were having a beer, I'd say it's a bad idea. Um, I don't know enough about you, first and foremost. I would highly recommend that you work with a CFP. Consider coming to the Los Gatos event tomorrow night. You can be my guest if you want. Um, it's $5, so it's, I'm not really doing you that big of a favor. But how much do you have at your age? How much do I have? Yeah, you said 400000 roughly? About, well, depending on what the stock market's doing, obviously, about 420000 in in mutual funds, mostly Vanguard, Fidelity, uh, Federated, okay. things like that. Um, and you, and you, have another hun- you have an- another 100000 in cash? No, 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 you're no looking- that's, that's, that's all total. Plus, I have a house in San Francisco that's paid and bought. It's all paid off. Oh, good. How much is that worth? Um, depending on who you, what real estate agent you ask, anywhere from 800000 to a million one. Okay, let's just say 800000 Is there anything else that you own? A couple of cars. <laughs> okay. Wife or anything like that? No, not married. <clears throat> okay. Um, are you retired? Yes. Okay. You don't have a lot of money, just being honest with you. Um, the house, obviously, nice that it's paid off. Um, 
down the road, that may be something that you have to turn to. With the 420000 I would not take 100000 to go buy investment properties. You'll hear commercial and radio t- and television to tell you to do that because that's a group that's getting a kickback for finding buyers. Um, managing properties out of state is a pain in the butt. Um, I have some properties out of state that I have to manage. One of them is a business that, you know, I put my own business inside of it, which is easy. That's great. You know, I pay myself rent. Um, but another is a, a rental property that I hate. I hate being out of state. I hate not being able to take a look at it. I have to pay a property management to do it. Um, you know, I bought it in a college town. It's 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 done okay. It hasn't beaten the stock market. Um, real estate doesn't beat the stock market because real estate needs the stock market. Re- stock market's a reflection of the economy. And if the economy is healthy, the stock market's going to beat real estate. If the economy is not healthy, then people are going to start getting foreclosed on. Um, I would so much prefer that if you're going to do this, consider, like, um, there's a hospitality REIT that I'm putting in the newsletter that I'm sending out today that yields 3.2%, plus you get probably 15 to 20% appreciation in the next year um, with something like a host hotels, which is like the Four Seasons. It used to be Marriott. It's a chain oh, of... Yeah. So you, you, can, you can buy real estate with $100,000 and you don't have a mortgage. Um, and again, maybe you were take, thinking about taking $100,000 out and not having a mortgage in Indianapolis, but who the hell wants to own Indianapolis? Have you ever been there? Um, I have passed through there, yes, but a long time ago. So you probably don't know where the good streets are or where the good neighborhoods are, so be careful. I'd much rather you own a publicly traded REIT, not a private REIT. Private REITs are nearly criminal, in my opinion, for average investors, um, in the sense because you should have at least a million dollars before you go after any sort of um, risky investment, and private REITs are risky investments where you're giving money to a developer to go develop. Um, so says FINRA, big insurance company that finds people who push private REITs. Um, so I'd prefer that you don't go out and buy real estate out of state unless, I mean, if you're really, really determined, I would do a lot of work on it. Um, I would look at college towns that have um, young people coming there to live. Um, like, I think Seattle is much better than Indianapolis. I think Austin is much better than Indianapolis. I think Denver is much better. Um, Raleigh area I think is nice but again I'm not recommending you do that you don't have a lot of money when you start drawing it down you'll see that you're going to be able to pay yourself maybe $20,000 a year of income if you invest it in an income portfolio so I strongly recommend Tim you get a chance to come to Los Gatos tomorrow night too I know it's a long trip from San Francisco um, or next time we're in the area, come to an event so you can learn how to turn that $420,000 into some sort of income-generating portfolio. Uh, I wouldn't have it all in the stock market unless it's diversified in some... This is Namdi Asimov, Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football... For purposes only, it should not be construed as legal advice or as a substitute for an attorney. Clients today... For the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Focusing in on wealth, um, sometimes I sit in for CFP Chad Burton on his 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock show. 
talking you know, the big stories of the day. I'm a little bit different. He's a financial planner. I'm more of a big uh, picture, economy, stock market angle. I help people accumulate wealth. He helps people manage wealth. He and I will be doing an event this tomorrow night in the barrier area in Los Gatos. Uh, the cat, meow, at Full House Hotel, which is a hotel made out of cookies. Uh, lovely hotel, lovely uh, location. You can come out and meet us at uh, Toll House Hotel. I'd love to see you out there. Stocks jumped today. Um, Dow was at a record. You know, do we close the records? That doesn't matter. The fact that you're in the territory of records tells you a lot. So the S&P 500 will soon start playing with the idea of 2000. It's not there yet. Then, of course, we could just hit a massive correction last the whole month of the last half of July and the whole month of August. We can be down 10% from these levels easily. I look at Wall Street as my only option. I don't necessarily sometimes like what I hear from Wall Street. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, some of the headlines that come out on, you know, mortgage fraud, and it's it's yucky. But I have no option. I believe in capitalism. I have to. Because when I get to age 60, I'm not going to be working. In China, they make blue-collar women stop working at 50, white-collar women at 55, and men at 60. And you live the rest of your life basically from the state, supporting you and or whatever assets you accumulate. I'm focusing in on the accumulation of assets. We can't afford that in the United States like China can, and China can't afford it. Their pension system is showing massive uh, flubs and flaws. You're seeing 60-year-old people dumpster diving to try to get any sort of money, any sort of business that they can get going uh, to help ends meet. And they do massive dumpster diving. So some of the top stories today. Comcast Time Warner merger would create a customer service nightmare. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, But Comcast... Time Warner Cable, um, that's probably going to be an issue that's done, say, January of 2015, you know, the merger of the two cable companies. They don't really compete on location, so it's going to be tough for the FCC to say, you know, this isn't, this isn't good. We, we want to, you know, we don't feel good about this. They're just two big cable companies that are in different markets, so you can't say that they're hurting, you know, when you see all the competition boiling themselves down, you almost have to. You know, AT&T buying DirecTV, Sprint buying T-Mobile. So Comcast, Time Warner almost have no option. Now, Time Warner, the media Time Warner, not the Time Warner cable, um, they're reboofing, reboofing, rebuffing, reboofing. I would like the buffet, the all-you-can-eat buffet of love. But 21st Century Fox has offered to buy Time Warner, a move that could unite two of the world's most powerful media companies. And media companies are kind of interesting because you could probably say that, you can't really say that they're, they're, again, antitrust, you could kind of make a case that every year they have to start over as far as, you know, what movies to make, what TV shows to make. Their catalog can get bigger and bigger, and that could be of concern, but their catalog needs to get bigger and bigger of TV shows, TV stations, um, movies, because, you know, it gives them a little more clout when going after uh, negotiations with, like, Comcast and Time Warner Cable. Who's, who gets the power? Who gets it? Size matters. Fox currently estimates that a combined company would save a billion dollars in cost and possibly more, primarily by cutting sales staff and back office functions. Uh, 
Fox, which owns the news channel Fox News, as well as 20th Century Fox, the movie studio, has indicated it would sell CNN as part of its proposal by Time Warner to clear any regulatory hurdles tied towards news. Um, our government wants multiple news companies out there. Don't ask me why. Um, obviously, the protections, right? So other big stories of the day, and I think there are a couple. Um, Dow, you know, record area. It's tied a little bit to earnings season. You know, Intel last night came out with really good third quarter revenue. $14.4 billion. Analysts were looking for about 14.1. They also said corporate upgrade cycle is happening. Intel added $20 billion to its stock repurchase program, including $4 billion planned for the third quarter. Stock's up big. Time Warner surged 16% on that big offer, like I mentioned. M&A seems to have just taken off in the last couple of weeks. With that said, other stories of note, home builder confidence in the United States climbs to a six-month high. Confidence amongst the U.S. home builders rose more than forecast, reaching the highest level in six months. National Association of Home Builders sentiment hit a 53 number from 49 in June. Uh, housing market showing some signs of improvements after higher mortgage rates and harsh winter weather stalled the recovery earlier this year. The strengthening labor market. Apple made a relationship with IBM, and I think it's a big one, um, in large part because it's more about mobile than it is about hardware. Um, the deal, in, in, it's more about Apple saying, you know, we will support IT infrastructure. And they haven't in the past, and IBM is going to, you know, recommend Apple's devices to customers in industries such as healthcare and banking, which have never been priorities for the customer, uh, the consumer-focused iPhone maker. IBM gets a boost in long-running effort to sell software and services to companies seeking to manage workers' smartphones and tablets. It's kind of a win-win deal. Attention, chocoholics! Attention, chocoholics! Hershey's going to price their uh, hike their prices eight percent. Number one candy producer in America, publicly traded company, also known as one of the greatest racists of all times. Um, he had an orphanage where he didn't let people of color come. Just throwing it out there to you. He gave his. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there to you. And I make that comment very tongue in cheek because I didn't know the man, but it's pretty well documented. Hershey hiked its chocolate prices for the first time in three years, a sign that the year-long soaring cocoa market starting to eat into their profits. Uh, what's interesting about price hikes is rarely do you see companies come back and lower prices, even though the commodity might come back down. Hershey makes Reese's, Kit Kat. What would you do for a Kit Kat bar? Icebreakers. Uh, they expect sales growth to be at the lower end of their 5 to 7% range. I think you can buy something like a Hershey and own it for the next 100 years. I don't think you know where it's going to go in the next 100 days, but in the next 100 years, I think it's a nice name. Very conservative. But do you see anyone really taking their crown? So the price increase is going to affect packaged candy and grocery products. It will not have an impact on earnings until next year. Customers who buy directly from the company will be able to buy at the price increase prices, uh, the pre-price increase prices until August 12th. Price increases are typically done pretty quietly. And, you know, a company like Hershey, uh, raising their price will allow companies like Nestle or Kraft Foods to raise their prices. Hershey last raised wholesale prices in 2011 by about 
9.7%. So you factor in this, that's 16% in three years. Your salary going up, or are you going to give up the chocolate? Cost of cocoa butter, which is my product of the cocoa bean. That gives that chocolate melt-in-your-mouth experience. It's killing them. Hey, big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. It's on income and retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW Traffic. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Got a big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos. Toll House Hotel. It's an income and retirement dividend stock event. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. While you're there, you can also sign up for the newsletter. Let's talk a little bit about financial planning with CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He's with NewFocusFinancial.com, or you can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. He's with NewFocusFinancial. Talking about transitioning to a retirement portfolio, I say that you accumulate wealth from age 20 to 50, and you start managing wealth from age 50 to 100. And again, that's not set in stone, but that's the general concept. Mr. Burton, transitioning to a retirement portfolio. What's your thoughts? Well, when I walk people through this, I've got to give them some general market history, which sometimes is boring, but it, it surprises me how many people Bore me. don't really realize this stuff. So the market, as you talk about all the time, is positive 70% of the time. Right. Three out of 10 years, negative seven out of 10 years, positive. So pretty good odds. Best odds on the planet. Right. And when you're building wealth, you know, up until your mid to late 50s, it, it, t- timing the market doesn't really matter a lot. Right. The thing that you need to focus on is... The asset classes that have done really well over 10 years but are doing really poorly in the last one to three, those are the ones you should actually be buying. Um, so it's not – it's really you can control your, your asset allocation with where you're sending your, your new purchases. Give me an example of that. Well, so every three years, typically asset classes change. Um, they go through a cycle. So whether it's looking at sectors of the economy like telecom, like technology, healthcare. If you look at, uh, there's a chart that I talk about a lot called Callan Periodic Table of Investments. Right. And you can see that whether it's an asset class chart or a sector chart, that asset class or sector will be the best place to be for two to three years in a row. And within two to three years, it'll be one of the worst places to be. And so um, the real active wealth builder, the way they rebalance their portfolios will be changing where they're contributing their money and buying the stuff that looks like it's on sale. Where everybody else is running away from it, that's what they're buying that year. Okay, I'm with you. In retirement, timing is everything. Because if you go in, you build this balanced portfolio over these years and years of, of work, and then you just dollar cost average in reverse. In other words, you sell every month instead of buy every month. Well, if you sell during the downturns, you're selling. That is gone. That's lost potential forever. So if you would have had to sell your portfolio between 2008 and 2009, when the market was down 40-plus percent, and then you had to sell 5 or 10% to live, you're never going to recover. 
That's gone. It's out of your portfolio forever. So that's why, and when you look back at the stock market history, there's only been two periods in a row where the market's been negative three years in a row. Runs right after the Great Depression, right. like late 30s, and then um, 2000, 2001, and 2002. The only three years in a row that we've had. We've had several two-year periods in a row, like 73 and 74, the market was down 40%. Right. Next two years, the market was up 60%. Okay. So the volatility isn't new. It's been with us forever. It's just in your face with you know, financial shows out there all the time. So the biggest point as you, as you look at and you're 10 years out from retirement, one of your biggest things is, how, okay, I have a balanced portfolio. How do I get to the point where I have three years' worth of expenses, of portfolio draws, and cash? So the first thing you need to do is say, here's my expenses in retirement, and here's my automatic income from, like, Social Security and pensions. So, again, a, a simple math would be if, you're, if you need 100 grand to pay your taxes, your expenses, health care costs, everything, and you're getting 50 from Social Security and pensions, you know that you need 50000 a year from your portfolio. So five years prior to retirement, you need three years of that, or $150,000 in that person's scenario, in safe money. That takes out one of the biggest risks of timing in retirement so that you, you have three-year cushion that you don't have to draw on the portfolio when you're in a down market. And then by the other strategies of dividend-paying stocks where they have a history of increasing their dividend on an annual basis to help fight inflation, balance portfolio, and then also having a good portion of your retirement income coming from lifetime sources that you can outlive, like Social Security or pension or your own annuitized income. We'll talk about that at seminars coming up. You can learn more about upcoming wealth preservation retirement planning seminars at robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a CFP, stands for Certified Financial Planner. It's his designation that makes him a fiduciary. He works in his client's best interest. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. And again, tomorrow night, the big event is in Los Gatos. Um, I'd love to see you out there. It's the only time that I really get to put faces to names and... You know, it kind of inspires me and keeps me excited about radio because radio can be kind of lonely. Um, I don't hear from you for months. Sometimes the phone doesn't ring. Is anyone really listening? Kind of thing. I get the emails, but that doesn't mean you're even, you know, paying attention per se. Um, strength Day, well, not even Strength Day, um, a little bit more about that seminar. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. And coming up in August, there's going to be another one, um, but that's going to be in San Rafael. Uh, the Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, Los Gatos, California. Um, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, Los Gatos, California. Um, while you're at the website, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is going to go out probably in about two hours, uh, waiting for legal approval on that, and then I'm good to go. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can follow me on YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. You can follow me at Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black. Um, why Cron 4? Because I work for a television station as well as a radio station. And if you want to see what I look like, I typically do that in the mornings around 9.15. So one of the more interesting stories that came out yet today, and it is very, very subtle. Alan Mulally, former Ford CEO, is joining Google's board. He flirted with becoming the CEO of Microsoft. Wall Street was kind of hoping for that. As it turns out, Sachin Nadelli ended up doing a very good job in his first couple months there, and that stock's doing well. Um, but Alan Mulally being added to Google's board gives them a car guy who ran Ford, but it also gives them an aerospace guy. As Google is trying to you know, get some expertise in both aviation and auto industries, 
um, self-driving cars, information entertainment systems for cars, delivering Internet from drones and satellites. Um, he's a good ad. There's no doubt about it. You know, we've been talking about inversions where companies are kind of like leaving the U.S. tax code going to other countries. Well, it's becoming a sto- an issue now for the government. The Obama administration is urging immediate actions on inversions. Jacob Blue, our Treasury Secretary, said lawmakers should enact legislation to shut down the abuse. In a letter to leaders of the Congressional Tax Writing Committees, Treasury Secretary Jacob Blue said lawmakers should enact legislation immediately to shut down the abuse of the tax system. Um, you know, yesterday I did a story about how uh, some companies are, I mean, the U.S. government's going to lose $20 billion over the next 10 years because their taxes are too high and companies are saying, you know what, I'm going elsewhere. Um, now, again, there's going to be some abuse of that, and it'll be interesting to watch the story play. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. Big seminar tomorrow night. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. KDOW traffic. Pair of problems on the south. Otherwise. 600-4264-Gang.com I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now as he joins me every week at this time, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist Briefing.com. He's the only economist I really listen to and pay attention to. I like hearing what he has to say. Dr. Jeff, how are you? Good. How about yourself? Is, I'm good. Is it okay to refer to you as Dr. Jeff, or am I being too informal? It's fine. Okay. I don't know. Just Dr. Rose makes you sound like my doctor. Um, but <laughs> Dr. Jeff, you're my economist, which you're, I guess you're still a doctor, though. Um, housing numbers today, or housing optimism, was one of the stories that I saw out there. Um, home builder confidence in the U.S. climbs to a six-month high. It seems to be kind of an important one. Um, not factual or statistical, but, you know, kind of psychological. Um, do you pay attention to that release? Uh, I kind of look at it just to get an idea what the home builders themselves are thinking. Um, you know, statistically, you're right. It, it doesn't have much impact on anything. If you look at, um, you know, what home builders are saying and what they, what, what they actually do, you generally find two completely different things. So, you know, it tends to be more of you know, just a monthly number that gets some press and doesn't really help you, but it gives you a little bit uh, of knowledge of, of the current thinking. How important is the psychology going forward versus the reality of, you know, when we get hard numbers per se versus the psychological numbers? Because there's other releases about consumer confidence, for instance. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of any of the confidence numbers. I'm not a big okay. fan of the uh, ISM numbers, the, the PMI numbers. 
Yeah, a lot of the problem is that it's not weighted very well. So, for example, the ISM and the PMI numbers, uh, if you have three companies, company A makes a million dollars, company B makes a million dollars, and company C makes, you know, a hundred million dollars, and company A and company B both report better prospects and company C reports worse prospects, you know, the PMI is going to show uh, that overall business is getting better, even though it's just more that the small companies that don't have as much influence on the overall economy are getting better. So I tend to look at these numbers as just kind of a, a trend line, but I, they don't factor well into any economic modeling, at least that I do, of uh, like industrial production or of um, you know new orders, new business orders, uh, manufacturing numbers, stuff like that. What economic data is out there that you're looking forward to seeing or that's out there today that has some relevance for you? The um, production numbers this morning were, were interesting. Um, you're starting okay. to see a, a pickup in auto sales, but we're not getting an increase in production, which was kind of odd, uh, which tells me that, that there, you know, businesses have too much inventory, which is possible, or uh, businesses, auto manufacturers don't believe that the recent increase in, in sales is stable. So I'm interested to see how that plays out over the next couple months. And just in general, seeing how you know the manufacturing sector does. And when you look at the economy, you look at economic growth. The service sector is the largest portion of the economy, but the service sector is also the most stable. So when you want to see how the economy is performing on a short-term basis, if you want to see accelerations in economic growth, a lot of that comes from the more cyclical sides, like the manufacturing, like construction, uh, mining, stuff like that. So. You know, the report today gives you a little idea if you're going to see some sort of, uh, you know, acceleration in short-term economic growth. So we're wrapping up the second quarter because we're now in July. Um, what are you looking at as far as the data that's going to be coming out from the second quarter versus the first quarter, which was so cold, and we blamed all of our woes on that? Yeah, I, I, I don't believe that the first quarter woes were all weather-related, and I think there was a lot of other problems going on. Um, part of it, you're getting a, a recoup in the second quarter from inventories. Inventories were a large drag in the first quarter. Um, you tend to get a large drag followed by a large uh, positive contribution in the following quarter, and that's what it looks like it's happening in, in Q2. Uh, I'd like to see some more investments going forward, but we're, we're really not seeing it. In business investment, I'm expecting to be positive in uh, in the second quarter, but not that strong. And uh, I'd prefer it to be much stronger. You know? And a lot of the problems that we're seeing is that uh, productivity levels are shrinking. So the only way to get increased output uh, from current labor is if we start seeing a increase in production, or sorry, productivity. Needing from more technology, more investments. So I hope to see that going, you know, in the next quarter or two. The retail sales report that came out earlier this week, I think, was viewed as showing some signs of weakness. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was a little odd. Uh, if you look at the core numbers, which take out auto dealers, takes out gasoline stations, and it takes out building materials, that was, you know, relatively strong. It was up, I believe, 0.5%. And that number follows more closely with the overall trends in consumption of goods. 
But if you look at the, the headline, I mean, you had a, a very small gain. You had a much larger gain in income, uh, according to the employment reports. So that tells me that savings rate uh, likely increased in June. And you know, if you look at debt ratios, debt ratios are at a point where the savings rate doesn't need to increase. The consumers can increase their debt or at the very least increase their spending if, even if they don't want to take on more debt and, and lower their savings rate to, to manage their current debt. And that's not happening. So I, I'm concerned on why that occurred. You know, is the consumer uh, really just having a bad month or a bad two months? Uh, right now I'm only predicting uh, consumption growth about 1.5% for Q2. So... Yeah, is this a sign of things to come? You know, consumers are saying things are great in their their consumer confidence and consumer sentiment reports, but they're not spending and they're increasing savings, which tells us that they're kind of concerned about their job prospects or their future income growth. So, you know, th- these two things don't uh, don't mesh, and, and I want to see how it goes. Okay, is there anything else that you're working on right now that you think would be a, a good flag for us to start thinking about? I'm just start looking at the tenure. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time over the last couple of weeks taking a look at uh, trends in the tenure yields, looking at uh, trends in Fed futures, trying to get an idea of what the Treasury market's expecting the economy to be. You know, what you know, once the economy does start uh, improving, you know, and we get an acceleration, so looking over like a five to ten year horizon, uh, what is the market expecting you know, are we see you know is the market expecting the economy to recover to as a normal economy or are we still expecting this uh financial you know catastrophe that we had over the last 5 years to continue in the, you know into the future and if that's the case economic growth will remain weak and if that's the case we're not going to see the job gains and income gains that we've been coming to expect from uh from previous recoveries thanks very much that's Dr. Jeff Rosen, briefing.com. He is the chief economist. Um, Briefing's a great site, and I have the pleasure and the luxury of getting to speak with two of their experts on a weekly basis, and we put them on the air. After the the show's over, I'll I'll cut the audio down, and I'll put their specific interviews up at my uh, Twitter page, Rob Black Show. I send it off to them so they can resend it out and repurpose it. Um, it's not a blatant commercial. They don't, there's no money exchange between the two of us. I just like their independent live market analysis of the markets. Um, some of their you know, experts are way above me. Um, they've got some short-term traders. Um, they've got some momentum traders. They've got many, many experts that I think you should uh, check into. Um, I particularly like Patrick O'Hare and Dr. Jeff Rosen. I think they do a pretty good job of showing us what's going on with the economy, whether it's retail sales um, like today um, manufacturing, that was of particular interest. And the 10-year Treasury, um, what's going on with the 10-year Treasury? I think most of us kind of want to know. Um, why is it so stuck? I, I think that's the right way of saying that. Uh, at 2.55%, that's great for the future mortgage market, great for real estate, great for the stock market. Um, the problem is, and this was you know brought up deliciously yesterday, uh, when I was talking with uh, Patrick O'Hare about, you know, Rick Santelli freaking out on CNBC and uh, basically saying this is a world of haves and have-nots, and the people who are in the stock market are doing great, and the people who aren't, aren't. Um, and it's interesting to note, in my opinion. Um, so big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos. Um, it's an income and retirement event. I'd love to see you there. Um, you know, maximizing Social Security. 
I'm not counting on Social Security to be much. Uh, you work from age 20 to 60, typically, and you live off your savings from age 60 to 100. Plus, you get a little bit from Social Security, which is essentially going to cover my health care, is what I'm planning on. Best way to save for retirement, in my opinion, is maxing out your 401k. But to learn more about this event and to sign up for a newsletter that I'll be sending out later this morning, free, uh, you can go to robblack.com and check out the seminars or check out signing up for a, a newsletter. Um, I only send out maybe eight newsletters a year. I don't sell your list. I don't spam it. I don't do anything like that. So you can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. So you could put $17,500 in a 401k in 2014, an amount that is adjusted annually for inflation. Employees age 50 or older can add an extra 5500 Some 401k plans allow you to sign up as soon as you start a new job. Others make you wait for a period. Um, and that's unfortunate. Traditional 401ks allow you to defer paying income tax on the funds you contribute until you withdraw the money. To find out how much you save, multiply your contribution amount by your tax rate. You may already also get a tax break at the state level. Low-income savers may additionally qualify for more tax credits. If your employer has a 401k match, take it. That's heaven. Um, try to get vested in the plan as soon as you can, in my opinion. Do not withdraw the money early, unless it's a true, 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 true emergency. Don't forget to sign up for the event tomorrow night, and let's get us at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Starting out this time around in Pittsburgh. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Big event coming up in Los Gatos. Toll House Hotel tomorrow night, 6.30 to 9. Not a threat, but at some point in time, I'd like to stop doing those. Um, but I'm glad to do them. I hope you learn something when I do these. Um, it's an event tied towards income. CFP Chad Burton runs most of the event. I do the dividend stocks and dividend stocks that I own and things along those lines that I think should be able to help you. Not always positive that they do. But I hope that they do. Um, so don't be shy. I think that's the number one thing that I continue to push back on. And, you know, it's a great way for you to come out and uh, chat. Um, in my opinion. You can bring your questions. You can bring your portfolio. I think that uh, one of the things that Chad requires when he does portfolio reviews is that you kind of let them know your risk profile. I think that's critically important and uh, nice to know in those kind of scenarios. So the markets, let's talk markets. Um, stock market, you know, Dow Jones Industrial Average, S&P 500. Um, S&P 500 gives you a great collection of U.S. companies. Um, it's not quite as diversified as I'd like, but that's okay. It's a good start. I don't think you have to be perfectly right with every decision that you make. 
I think it's important that you allow yourself some room to diversify into different types of equities. Um, for instance, I would say if you can get something that's an all-encompassing non-market-weighted index, like the Wilshire 5000 or the Russell 3000, I think it helps. Um, I think you want some sort of international emerging market. Now, again, international is pretty well covered by the S&P 500 because Apple's on the S&P 500, and you know a lot of the revenues come from overseas. So GE, same thing. But I want you to get some emerging markets or developing markets. Um, and you can do it with ETFs, exchange traded funds. You could do it um, numerous ways. You could add some income to your portfolio like with a dividend achievers. If you think the stock market's going higher, that's a great way to do it. If you think the stock market's going lower, you know, maybe you want to go with something like a, a bond fund um, and start you know, tinkering with how you put together an income portfolio. Um, anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. You know, uh, that's the goal of the show. Intel, pretty good earnings last night. We are in earnings season, which brings me to the thought. Let's see if I can't pull up. Um, I'm going to go to briefing.com, hit their calendars, look at earning results. Um, they've got just a slew of information that's incredibly useful to you. Bank of America, for instance, earned 19 cents today versus 12 cents expectations. That's fairly positive. Stock is, you know, I think it's a tradable stock. I think it's also an investable stock for the long-term patient investor. Consult a broker advisor for getting action any stocks mentioned. eBay is going to report this evening um, after the market closes. SanDisk, Yum Brands. Yum Brands is good. Um, we'll get a little bit of a feel for what's going on in China, which is a huge market for them. Um, don't want to over, you know, uh, play that, but we want to see consumers going to their Kentucky Fried Chickens and things like that and eating consumer goods. Goodies. Not eating consumer goods. That'd be gross. Philip Morris reports tomorrow in the morning. Um, Canadian Pacific, a big railroad. So, Baker Hughes, oil play. Um, tomorrow night, you know, you get more tech companies like IBM's coming out, Advanced Micro, Capital One Credit Card Company. Um, you know, every day there's going to be something this week. And next week is the one that I really like because it starts getting just crazy. You're still catching up on conference calls that you've been listening to throughout the week. Um, you're still taking notes. It's it's kind of hectic. And I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, not a lot of big earnings on Friday. You know, there's Casey Southern, which is my favorite railroad. But that's before the open. There's not a lot of after the market. Uh, close because, you know, that'd be kind of unfair to you. Next week, you know, it gets a little bit more exciting. Um, as far as exciting goes, and I should be careful painting that picture, um, it's just sexier stories. Um, you start getting, like, the Facebooks and the Apples and some other companies uh, that, you know, have, have a story. Um, and I don't know if that works for you or not, but it works for me. China had a pretty good GDP number this morning, uh, 7.5%, industrial production 9.2%. Uh, their fixed asset investment was a slowdown, showed some slowdown in, in home construction and sales. Today's strength was seen in consumer discretionary, energy materials, technology weakness in consumer staples, financials, and utilities. I use weakness to acquire positions that I'm, I'm pleased with. Um, I use strength to acquire positions that I'm pleased with. Um, I don't have an issue with that. Hopefully you don't as well. So big merger in casino equipment. 
today, International Gaming Technologies going over to Italy's GTEC, uh, partially because taxes. A lot of these what are called inversions do have rules that basically say, do have stipulations that basically say, if for whatever reason the government says that we can no longer enjoy this tax benefit, yours or ours, we can call off the merger. You're going to see Congress try to rush to get some sort of you know, package done on inversions because they're picking up. Since Obama became president, about 50 companies have left the United States um, because of the threat of penalties, you know, maybe enacted later on. Could they be retroactive is the, is the question. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos, 6.30 to 9. I'm going to get there early. I don't have a dinner date if anyone wants to join me. Um, don't know where I'm going yet, but drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar tomorrow night. You can find out more at robblack.com. It's the Toll House Hotel, 6.30 to 9. I'll be there. CFP Chad Burton will be there. Michelle Lerman will be there talking to state planning mistakes and much, much more. We'll take a break here. We'll talk soon. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.